The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Brains, a podcast exploring the inner workings of our brains and how film and television portray them. Hosted by me, writer-director Heather Taylor. And by me, film and television editor Sarah Taylor, a.k.a. the Taylor Sisters. Woohoo! Before we begin, we want to acknowledge that the lands from which we've recorded this podcast are part of territories that have long served as a gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, and we are thankful as guests on this land to be able to live, work, and gather here. On today's episode, we'll be exploring the world of twins and triplets. We'll be talking about what it's like being a triplet growing up together, the differences and similarities of what they experience, how twins and triplets deal with their own mental health, and if there really is such thing as having an evil twin. (laughs) (laughs) To kick off the conversation, we're going to talk with Sarah Carroll, a graduate student in the clinical science program at Michigan State University. She works with twins as part of her research with the MSU Twin Registry. Quick reminder to our listeners that these interviews should not be taken as medical advice, and it is for informational purposes only, because everyone's brain is different. Please consult your own healthcare professional if you have any questions. And now, Sarah Carroll. So I'm a fourth-year graduate student at Michigan State. Um, I'm studying clinical psychology. So I got interested in twin research during college. So I went into college knowing I was interested in um, genetics and psychology, um, but I wasn't sure like how to combine the two. Around that time, I found out um, that there was a field called behavioral genetics. You look at um, genetic and environmental contributions to complex traits, um, like mental health, um, cognitive ability, physical health. Um, So there was a professor at UVA named Eric Turkheimer, who's really well known for twin research. My mentor in the first lab I worked in was like, if you're interested in this, you should check out his classes. And so I took his behavior genetics seminar my last year of undergrad, and he was looking for a research assistant when I was starting my job search. Um, So I ended up getting that job in his lab. And within like six months, I was like, this is what I want to do professionally, like for the rest of my life. Oh, that's amazing. That's super exciting. Yeah. Can you just briefly explain what is a twin registry? Yeah, it's basically a database, like information from twins who've agreed to participate in the Michigan State Registry. We recruit parents of um, twins in Michigan. We have their data um, stored as part of the twin registry. There's also a website, twinstudies.org, and you can find a list of a bunch of different twin registries. So it's really cool. There are like twin registries all over the world. And there's a lot of interesting um, work that's being done in Scandinavian countries because they keep national birth registries. Do they do anything like over time? So they'll like ask questions when they're four and we ask questions when they're seven and like onwards so that you can have long sets of data. Yeah. And that's that's something I've been getting really interested in recently. I'm interested in child development, how things unfold over time, especially mental health. Um, And so we have data on some of the twins at like five different time points. So last year I was able to do like a big longitudinal data analysis, looking at how um, their conduct problems changed from age three up to like age 21. Cool. That's cool. I'm curious, do you have like any twins or anything in your life? What made you so excited and said, this is it? Well, so I did babysit for a pair of identical twins uh, when I was younger. And I thought it was so interesting how like, The other sibling pairs I babysat for kind of became more like, I don't want to say distinct people because of course identical twins are distinct people, but they became kind of less alike in their interests. And it was like they developed um, very distinct personalities. Whereas for the identical twins, they did go to different colleges, but they have the same major They're I think they're working in the same place now. Um, They're roommates. Um, So it was just interesting to see how they really like, maintain that similarity over time. 
so you're doing twin studies for your research. Can you tell us a little more about the research that you're specifically focusing on and how you are working with twins to facilitate that? Most of my research in grad school has been on antisocial behavior, um, which is also referred to as conduct disorder. So that's like the kind of acting out behaviors, like breaking rules or being physically aggressive. Because there are these two types of twins, identical and fraternal, um, we get estimates of how similar they are. And then we compare whether or we look at whether that similarity differs across the two types of twins. So, for example, if, I, if identical twins are a lot more similar to each other in antisocial behavior than fraternal twins, then that suggests that um, there's a role of genetic influences. That's so fascinating. You talked a little bit about their similar physiology versus their experiences in terms of their mental health. How much of their environment do you think has an impact? The idea of like nature versus nurture, how much is nurture really impacting us in terms of our mental health? One of the uh, main findings in behavioral genetics is that um, virtually every trait is under some degree of genetic influence, not just identical twins, but anyone in the same family who's biologically related is likely to, they're more likely than randomly chosen people to have similar mental health outcomes. But at the same time, Almost all mental health conditions also um, are subject to some environmental influence. So really, it's about nature and nurture together. For example, the combination of like the genetic, like genetic predisposition for a specific mental health outcome and then like environmental risk, like that can be a really strong predictor that you'll actually like develop that disorder. The really interesting thing, I think, about behavioral genetic studies of the environment is that they found it's actually not the like shared influences that make kids in the same family more alike that are really important. It's more how the environment affects each child individually. So they um, distinguish between the shared and the non-shared environment. And so the shared would be like your family's socioeconomic status or like similar parenting. Um, what these studies have found is that um, the influences that impact each child uniquely are what like really have a big effect, like maybe different peer groups, different teachers, or like um, kids can, you know, be parented differently even by the same parents. In twin studies that broadly look at like genetics, shared environment and non-shared environment, they find that like the overall non-shared environmental influences are, are really big. In a study last year, I looked at um, genetic and environmental influences on different mental health outcomes and how they shifted according to pandemic-related stress. The families reported like what stress they were experiencing during the first few months of the pandemic. And we found that in families that were experiencing a lot of stress, non-shared environmental influences actually became more important. In that context of stress, kids kind of responded differently to the environments they were in and like diverged in their mental health outcomes. Who we surround ourselves with and like what experiences we have really do have a huge impact on how our brain is going to be as parents or as people in the world, like what can we do to maybe, I don't know if it's protect ourselves or like be aware of what we're doing in order to maybe, yeah, maybe in the end protect our brains if we know we deal with depression or anxiety or we have these already genetic predispositions for certain mental health outcomes. One thing that's incredibly important is just having open conversations about mental health. Like in my um, graduate studies, I'm doing research, but I'm also working with therapy clients. Um, and so I've, I've worked in the last year, I've worked mainly with pre-adolescent girls who are struggling with anxiety and depression, and sometimes just like stress management in the context of the pandemic. And I think it's, it's really beneficial that the parents and their kids have candid conversations about mental health and that they're seeking out therapy for their kids when they seem like they're struggling. All the films I've seen with twins or with multiples, there's always the evil twin or there's always, you know, there's like these <laughs> cliched things. Have you seen anything or is there anything that you loved that showed what twin life is actually like and not this like trope of there's the good one and there's the evil one? Blah. When I started college, I watched the show Pretty Little Liars for at least a couple seasons. And I think there were multiple characters who had evil twins. <laughs> the main, yeah, the main one was an evil twin. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. evil. And after the second one appeared, I was just like, how many, does every character have an evil twin? <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, that's not particularly realistic. And I, I think there's a tendency to portray twins as like, being diametrically opposed to one another. The guy, as a kid, I watched The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, and they were identical twins who um, 
like one was really extroverted and not very into school and his brother was quiet and studious. And it's when you have, even though of course identical twins can differ from one another, it's pretty unlikely they're going to be that, um, you know, diametrically opposed in their personalities and their interests. I'm trying to think of a portrayal of twins that's been, you know, accurate and nuanced and looks at mental health beyond just like good twin and evil twin. And I'm really drawing a blank. What about twins that like, they also do the other side of things where they're twins, like, it's like twin vision. They just could read each other's minds. They just know exactly what's happening with the other twin. Like, what about that side of things? That, I think that, that seems pretty extreme. <laughs> I don't know, just thinking of the identical twins that I babysat for growing up, I, I think they were pretty in sync. They were very similar to one another. I don't know that they were that in sync. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't actually share a brain. <laughs> <laughs> They also do the like twins separated at birth, which of course happens, but it's it's pretty uncommon. Like I think that's one misconception about twin studies. Like we're typically studying children who were raised in the same family um, because that's so much more common than like twins who were separated at birth. There's movies and shows like um, Parent Trap. Yeah, Parent, Parent Trap. Trap. Yeah, yeah. Where, where like one like, parent took one kid. Like that was like mm, what. I wouldn't do that anyway. I'm sorry, that's traumatic. To me, I'm like, oh, you don't know you have a sister and you don't meet your other parent? I was like, oh, it's really horrible. But also, what parent could be like, I'm never going to see my other child again? When twins age, and this is something we often don't see in media, your body's going to sh- change, like, just like we're talking about environmental stuff, like some per- one person might like to be in the sun more, their skin's going to look different than the other twin's skin. They might get tattoos, like, you're gonna, even though you're identical, like, you're gonna become shaped into your own human. So I think that would be an interesting thing to see on film and television. What are twins like when they're like 70 and they've lived a different, they've lived life and had kids. Maybe one didn't have kids. Like there's so many cool things that you could play with. And yeah, I mean, past the age of 18, twins typically aren't living in the same home anymore. If there was a film or a TV show that was going to do something about twins, what would you want to see as a twin researcher? Hmm, I, I think anything that, portrays mental health in a more nuanced way rather than good versus evil, I think would would be interesting to show like, you know, twins who were going to school and each have their own struggles that are also not polar opposites um, because as twins, we really wouldn't expect them to be. Is there any way that people can, if they want interested in knowing more about you and what you're doing and your research, is there somewhere that they can look you up and find out more? So all the research I do is with data um, collected for the Michigan State University Twin Registry. So if you look up Michigan State University Twin Registry, you'll get to their website and get to see um, all the cool studies that are being done. And if you're a parent of twins, like potentially getting registered for one. Sarah, thank you so much for taking all this time with us. It was so great to learn about what you study and how you're shaping the world. Thank you. I'll definitely be tuning into your podcast. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was so fascinating. Especially how important your environment is when it comes to everything that makes us us. Like that's the coolest part, I think. Yeah, that it's a mix of genetics and environmental. So that idea of nature versus nurture is really a thing. It is. Yeah. I mean, we knew that. We knew that. (laughs) I'm really excited about our next set of guests, Cindy and Allie, who are joining us to talk about what it's like growing up as part of a set of triplets. I'm so excited. We'd love to hear you tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, Allie, you want to go first? Um, You're older by a few minutes. You go ahead. Uh, okay, I'm a triplet by five minutes. We're 47 years old, both of us. What else? I have a husband and two boys, 17 and almost 15. Grew up with the parents that immigrated from former Yugoslavia, now Croatia. Currently, I'm unemployed. I'm in transition, um, trying to get a, a job as a 911 dispatcher with the Edmonton Police. Oh, cool. I love sports. I've, I love camping. I feel like this is a, a Tinder... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're just writing your Hinge profile right now. So. Yeah, exactly. I love reading. I love working out. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, we have an older brother as well, who is six years older than us. I think he wanted a brother. Um, he got three girls instead. <laughs> well, I was actually like the little brother for him. I was the tomboy growing up. 
my parents came with $200 in their pocket from, wow. from there and raised. Walked uphill. Yeah. Minus yeah. 30. Yeah. <laughs> That's the story. And it walked uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, my name's Alice. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Um, like Cindy said, born in Edmonton, Edmontonian, born and raised circa 75. <laughs> I've been a nurse for over 20 years and um, recently in dementia care. So yeah, I've always been excited to learn about the brain and body connection and and how we thrive and learn in different environments. But being a triplet has given me a different insight, definitely exposed to the nature versus nurture conversation. So having a similar environment but uh, and similar genetic makeup, but also having individual unique trait, traits that we have and express in ourselves. I'm married to my soulmate, Nathan, and I have two amazing boys, Samuel and Maxwell, who definitely, um, especially you know, in lieu of the recent years with COVID had been a testament to, to brain development and resilience and growth, just showing me as a mother, how amazing your brain is, you know, and, and I'm a Pisces. I like long walks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I enjoy trying new things and doing this podcast definitely is stepping out of my comfort zone. So what was it like growing up as a triplet? My experience was I always had friends to rely on. Like, so each grade that we went to, uh, you know how for most people, they get nervous, you know, meeting new friends or making connections. It was good, but it was bad because I relied on it too much. So to be honest, growing up, I didn't make an effort to make friends that, that much. It was whoever my sisters made friends with, those were my friends, but my sisters are always there for me. So I was super, super shy growing up. I kind of did a 180 later in life, but I was so extremely shy that... Literally, I relied on my sisters growing up for a lot of things. So growing up with Jasmine, my identical triplets sister, we were closer because we were identical. We weren't just close to Al. I was kind of like the the rebel, which was, now that I look back, I wish I was more of a rebel. <laughs> and, and me and Jazz were closer, but at the same time, I found it very competitive with Jazz, Jasmine, because we were directly compared. So in that sense, it was hard. But we were so close. We had the same uh, similarity. Like, we liked the same hobbies. We played soccer, both of us on the same team. Um, where I found that Al kind of, I don't want to say, well, I'll say a black sheep, but not. Like, she <laughs> she stood out because she was the fraternal one. And a lot of people actually thought she was our older sister. So that must have been hard for Al. Like, Al had a different experience than I would have had. I grew up listening to everything my parents said. I told the line. I, uh... I don't want to say I was a favorite. <laughs> it all comes out. <laughs> it's on the record. That's just some of the things that, that were similar or different. What was it like for you, Allie, being that there was triplets, but identical twins, and you were the the fraternal twin? So that must have been an interesting dynamic for you. Definitely a unique experience. Um, I would consider it like, you know, we all kind of fly our plane in life and, and journey through different highs and lows. And I would consider my sisters, you know, my co-pilots. That's sweet. Yeah. And I actually had this, like, always observed the number three. Like I have always recognized it as an important number to me. I notice it more, of course, um, being one of three, but you know, you see the, the, the pattern of three in a lot of different things. And I like remember my sister Jasmine telling me that when you make a knot, you need three to make it stronger. Like if you just have two, it, falls apart but three really strengthens that knot so I recognize three in a lot of different things I'm the middle child um I was different so I I think being different physically and then looking like the older sister I kind of went through milestones a lot quicker and did it first so I paved the way for my sisters at the same time shared milestones and warned them of things not to do (laughs) (laughs) um so I learned a lot um and also um being a triplet it, it was automatic for me to share everything. And sometimes that also tended to be like oversharing or stepping over boundaries. And so that was, you know, something I learned later in life. Um, Cause I just thought that was the norm until I you know, stepped out of that environment. So I try to be a minimalist, but at, well, at the same time, Amazon's knocking at my door every day, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a balance, right? So it is definitely um, the number three and just being one of three has always been something that I cherish. And 
Um, at the same time, it can be a very lonely place, just being the oddball or the, the black sheep. And I was thinking about how, how geese are formed in a V shape. There's three points and there's that person in the front. Um, when they get tired, then the other two kind of step around and go to the front. And that's how the V kind of helps with the resistance. And that's how I think of it metaphorically with us three, that when one of us is kind of lagging behind, the other two kind of come up and step up and support and raise each other up. So I always feel like I have, like when I look in the sky and I see two birds, I'm like, where's the third one? That's what I automatically <laughs> And I look for that third bird. I'm like, oh, there I am. And that's how I feel that day. <laughs> mm, it's kind of interesting how I look at things differently in the environment. That's really cool. I would say it was different growing up as it is opposed to now though, like our relationship in like a supportive way. Like I find that we're even more supportive now but when you're growing up, you don't know any better sometimes and you don't know, you just kind of fit in the role of what your parents expect you to do. Once you're out of that environment, then your personalities change, right? Because it's it's part of the environment that you're, so now we each have our own families. And I find that all three of our personalities have changed since being together, living in one house together to now all being separated. Um, I'm way more independent. Um, I, I know I've changed quite a bit. It's interesting because like, Heather and I are not twins or triplets but I uh, growing up Heather was the one like I was super shy and I didn't talk and Heather would talk for me so there came a point because like our parents divorced so we would go to my dad's family to visit and Heather would do all the talking and then there came a time when Heather moved away she moved to London and so it was just me I had to learn to use my voice and then I shifted too very interesting because I was super 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 like extremely shy if you ever knew me as a child or even as a teenager early 20s it didn't change until I actually had Owen my first born um, where I forced myself I remember one day to walk to a mom's group Mm. people and it was probably the most terrifying day of my life like it was so scary for me because I was just like you Sarah where I was so shy and I relied on my sisters and they spoke for me and I just kind of rode the coattails of my sisters so now I'm for I was forced to speak to like have my own voice and man is that ever awesome you need to have your own (laughs) Once you get over the scariness of it, it's like, yeah, oh, wait a minute. Is. But exactly. there is comfort. There's comfort in knowing that your your siblings and your family are there to like yeah. support you. And the days yeah. when you just like, I love your analogy of the the geese flying. And I feel like we should all have that in life. And so it's very yeah. special that you had that you had. I'm going to get emotional. That you had those those that support there. That you have somebody that you can rely on, even that you're not in the same house anymore. That you still are able to support each other like that. Yeah, we always have each other, like, always forever. Like, it's just a bond. Yeah, that's great. I just thought of um, your first podcast when you talked about identity. Heather, you said, you know, you spent your younger years and your younger life trying to mold into a system, trying to fit into a system. Yeah. And I think about, like, the system of family, right? And that dynamic of of being the different one myself. I always tried to fit in. I didn't know where I, where I belonged. So I'd be like, oh, I don't belong with those two. So I'm the old automatically would um, shrink myself to make myself belong to that group. I used to slouch because I wanted to be the same height as them because I was a lot oh, taller. Yeah. And I wanted my hair to be straight or straight like theirs. And, and I wanted to have beautiful skin like them. And I resented them for that. But <laughs> I, I would be like, you know, I want to be like them because then my life would be easier and I don't have to stick out. So I would shrink myself or I would be quiet and not use my voice. But I did take on the role of caregiver slash pave the way kind of. I was a caregiver. Nice try. You're not taking that role away from me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, people pleaser, you know, just trying to find a way to get validated in that system of that family just so I can be acknowledged and feel like I belonged. And so I had looked up to my brother a lot and found that I would kind of lean on him and, and try to take some of his identity. Maybe I'd adopt his musical taste because I was like, where do I fit in this picture? They have the same hobbies and the same friends. My brother is six years older. He has his own thing. I'm kind of just floating along, but at the same token, um, it did teach me that like being the one kind of always to resolve the conflicts between the competition and always being the one to mediate or be the team player later on in life, automatically it was easy for me to, to join a team or be part of a collaboration or work in healthcare. It that transition was like intuitive for me. And I think I look back now and I'm like reflecting and I'm like, wow, I have these extra strong intuitive skills as a nurse. I am the eyes and the ears for the team. 
out in the community as a, as a geriatric nurse because I grew up in that system, that environment. So that environment expanded further into community and into how I had those skill sets, which I carried along with me, which I considered at times very lonely and very challenging, but helped me grow as a person. Yeah. Looking back, I, now I, I recognize what Al went through more so now than when during the time. And it must have been really hard as a, as the paternal triplet, I can't imagine. But yeah, Al, it's funny that you said that you wish you had like the same skin as us or like clear complexion or whatever. You, mm-hmm. It's funny because when I was growing up, I don't know how many times I wish I was Jasmine because everything, even though we were identical, everything seemed to be easy for her. Like all the boys liked her first. And so I would just get the happy seconds. <laughs> But so same thing. It's so funny that Al, you say, you, you know, you wish this or that, even though I was identical with jazz, I still wished I was not. I feel like that's universal. We're all looking to somebody else be like you, Oh, they must have it better than me when you know, we're not inside. And I'm sure Jasmine would say something different to the both of you. Right. Totally, so, yeah. but it's interesting to hear that as like an identical twin, one of the identical triplets to like you still wanted something else from even though the person looked <laughs> just like you, right? Al might have thought, oh, I had it so good, kind of whatever. But it's funny how we don't know what's going inside our head. And then when you look back on it, when we talk about it, it's like, oh, really? Wish you, you know, like it's it's really cool now figuring out. That's a good point. I I feel like I didn't have always to 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 be better, or compete. But at the same time, I didn't have that person that I look to compare with as much. But I did compare like everybody compares when they're in formative years of growth and development in school and my kids do it now and they say why does this person have this and we don't have that or why can't I have this and Cindy was saying how she looks exactly identical to Jazz but she still wished she had some different features that Jazz had or or different abilities and I think one thing that I noticed that we had that was similar was our kind of our ideals and our values about things that were taught to us. And I think across the board, like probably with all of us siblings was a, a, a feeling of equality and fairness and, and, and that, you know, things should be shared and, and just having that attitude of gratitude, it was automatic for us because for all four of us children, you know, times are tough trying to feed a whole family and also get through all the different milestones of school and health and, wellness it's it's not it's not um an easy journey for my parents right so i think the that similarity we had there but the the difference maybe was obvious the physical difference was obvious and the physical wants and needs were different yeah and there's pros and cons i think for al she had her own identity at an early age uh, whereas me and jazz actually i feel like i didn't really have my own identity until much later in life uh, I just felt like me and Jazz were painted with the same brush kind of thing. I'm sure it was very hard for Al to be the fraternal sister, but I did envy in the, envy her in the fact that, you know, she she did have her different taste in music. She had her different taste in guys, even um, different taste in uh, hobbies, whatever, books, read, music. Whereas me and Jazz were so similar, but at the same time, it's like we were kind of like the same person. Now, as adults, there's a lot of differences between me and Jazz now that, I, that I'm noticing that I never noticed before. So that's kind of cool. Do you think that that some of that was some things that you brought to yourself or do you think that other people kind of put that on you, this idea that you needed to be the same? I think it was a bit of both. Like I felt like we'd walk in the mall somewhere and a stranger would be like, oh, look at your twins. And it was almost like it was ingrained into her brain. Like we look alike, we look alike, we're identical. Um, so a lot of that was maybe why we were so similar is because we ex- were expected to be similar, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And same with Al, like Al, maybe you had a self-fulfilling prophecy that, Hey, I'm the black sheep. So I better act like the black sheep. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Like it's sometimes you're putting it into your own, what society thinks. To meet the needs of society. Exactly. And I agree with Cindy in the fact that sometimes it was just easier when I saw somebody in public or somebody asked, children would ask a lot of questions and sometimes they would be mean or bully, bully me and say, Oh, why are you different? Um, you're the ugly duckling or, you know, they would say mean things. And if someone said, are you guys uh, twins to my sisters? I would say, I wouldn't say and jump in and say that we're triplets. I wouldn't correct them. I would just hope that that's where the conversation ended. And I was just the older sister. I didn't want the focus to come on to me. So I would just be like, oh yeah, let's just keep moving. Let's walk away. How has your relationship changed though? Like from being the kid to now 
And like, when did you start talking about maybe some of these things we're talking about today? Last night. No, it's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Last night. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, actually, me, Al, I find that we're a lot closer and there's actually a lot of similarities between me and Ali than... Al and I. <laughs> Al and I, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Al. <laughs> that was a perfectionist to me. <laughs> More than I realized just in the last like... I don't know, 10 years, eight years, even more so in the last two years, we've connected quite a bit. Can I inter- interject there, Sin? Go ahead, Al. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that's what triplets do. They interrupt a lot. I think it's just because we're trying to get each other's voice in. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's this inherent triple speak where sometimes we try to get a word edgewise. And I've learned over the years that I need to listen better. But um, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, Sin, but I just want to tell say this before I forget that the similarities now with Cindy and I is we both have two boys. And I think that I really lean on her for advice because her boys are a lot older than my boys. So I automatically go to her for a go-to to get support and advice because it's it's tough raising children and especially the last couple of years as we got older and closer that I know I can count on her and she won't judge me or and with Jazz I feel like she was always more of a, a quiet introspective and very uh, good listener over the years I feel like I've connected to them and gotten closer to them both in different ways. Yeah, jazz, jazz was the more, uh, jazz is more of the, even now, qu- the quiet comfort. I'm more of the feisty, if you mess with my sisters, I'm coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> and she was that's the smallest the one too. That's the funny and part. The, yeah. The, the runt. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the runt. So in that way, I'm noticing me and Jasmine are different even now. Jazz is just that soft comfort. Like she's always been like a warm blanket. Mm. Uh, Hey, I was going to say that. You stole that from I me. stole it. Sorry. <laughs> I stole it. But yeah, it's, it's true. Jazz has that like really warm comfort. Not, not to bring it, just keep bringing it back to me and Heather, but it's just so interesting. Or Heather and I, mm-hmm. Heather and I, it's so <laughs> interesting. <laughs> she would, see, and Heather would correct me on things too. That's hilarious. <laughs> not always. I mean, not I, always, but not always. Yes, anyway. I would. hundred percent would. Yes. Yeah. But Heather's very much like, get, get it done. Like there's a problem. Okay. I'm here. I'm ready. Let's, mm-hmm. let's solve this problem. And I am not like that. I'm more of like, let's talk it out. Let's listen. What can we, what can we think about? And yeah. And I've had to learn um, to ask that, like, do you want help solving this or do you want someone to just listen? Like it's that, that's the question that I've had to learn to ask people because I automatically, okay. So like, did you try this? Did you try this? And my husband's like, please, I just want to just talk about this. I I would get frustrated and be like, no, I just need to complain or I need to get this off. And Heather would be like, then she would get frustrated at me because I wasn't like wanting to fix it because I wasn't ready to fix whatever. So it's been interesting to hear you tell the stories of your sibling dynamic where your three triplets born at the same, essentially the same time. It's so similar to me and Heather who are four and a half years apart. So it's just like, it's so cool. It is cool. And it also like, it definitely uh, just shows that, that strength in family and also how people lean on each other and do glean different strengths from each individual's um, offerings. And then you kind of just expect it, right? Yeah. There's like, well, that's interesting, interesting too hearing about the shift in personalities as you gotten older, there's like a built-in dynamic where you're like, oh, no, no, this is how I'm supposed to, like you talked earlier, being in the family environment, like this is how I'm supposed to be. So this is the role I'm playing. And then you step out of it. You're like, well, I don't, maybe I don't want to play that role anymore. Maybe I'm exactly. going to do this. And I don't want to be the mother hen anymore. Like that, that was, I was a mother hen growing up. And then now it's like, yeah, I'm just going to do my thing. And if you guys need help, just give me a call. You're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I need, I'm breaking free. It's funny how you said that, like how you're four years, how old apart? You guys are four, four years apart? Four, four and a half-ish. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny though, because even though I'm only three minutes and five minutes apart from Allie and Jasmine, it's the same thinking. It, it doesn't matter if it's five minutes or four years, you still feel like you're the older sister. You take that role on the middle sister, yeah. middle child syndrome, the third child. You still play the same role. We just go through the same grade together, the same everything else together, but we still have the same dynamics as sisters who were four years right how did your brother feel having triplets oh god he wanted a brother and my parents to be honest i think they wanted a son for him they wanted two i think for sure not (laughs) and she didn't know she was having triplets she didn't know she was having she thought she was having one baby they didn't do ultrasounds back or maybe twins she maybe twins because she was big wow so they your parents didn't know until you were born yeah she fainted actually they looked and they're like uh you have a second one in there so she pushed al out I, put up, I was out first, then Al, and then they said, oh my God, you have a third one. 
and they, she actually fainted. They had to wake her up. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she had no clue. And, and yeah, she got three girls. And we were two months premature, so we were not on time. Well, my brother was really spoiled as an only child at first for six years. And maybe he was a little bit bitter about that. I was the brother for him. I was such a tomboy. So me and him actually, he would shoot, I remember, uh, tennis balls at me. I was a goalie in, in the basement. I wanted to be a hockey goalie. When I, an NHL hockey goalie, that was my dream. He would shots at me and I had, I had a few bleeding noses and stuff. But So me and my brother actually hung out quite a bit for that in that sense. What a shift in dynamic <laughs> from the only child to a... A, a brother of three girls like that's a shit he's protective of us like he he took on that role he, he took care of us more than we realized then back then but now that i look back he actually was quite the caregiver what a challenge for him yeah definitely and now he's blessed with three girls <laughs> <laughs> and none of you have had had multiples in your life nobody else in your family no how do each of you deal with taking care of your mental health? Has that been something that's similar or have you experienced different things? Actually, me and Al are more similar now. I, I do see a therapist if I need to. Um, if there's things that I can't, um, if I'm overwhelmed, I would suggest that to anybody actually, because you don't have to have any, anything. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, but it's very um, good to hear like an objective opinion, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. I can talk you through things. Um, so that's one thing I do. I also, um, I go for massages every two weeks. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> I do. I spoil myself. I, I listen to music. Music is actually very therapeutic for me. So every morning I put music on. First thing I do is put music on. And that's how I start my day. I box. If I get mad, I go downstairs and I hit the bag really hard. <laughs> that's great. I, I always have to make a point of connecting with my friends or family. It's very therapeutic for me just to like, you know, see my friends and family. That's fantastic. What about you, Allie? When did you start thinking about your own mental health? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> it's a loaded question. No, no, I appreciate this question. It's a hard one though, because it sometimes can trigger you and I have to breathe through it. Just talking about it. I wasn't supposed to cry at this part. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Mental health is a tough thing to talk about. Um, but you know, the more we talk about it, the more comfortable it is as part of a natural conversation and flow for everyone, because as a nurse, you know, a lot of times the old generations would focus more on the external overt physical symptoms. And and now I realize that the mental and the physical are all connected and how important that is to, to acknowledge that as a healthcare provider, especially in lieu of COVID the last couple of years. Um, So for my mental health, I really did have dug deep the last couple of years because um, I had a long journey with um, my mental health. The way I think of it is the way we manage any disease manifestation in our body I don't look at it as a, as a, a bad thing. I look at it as a, a signal or something that I have to ask myself, what do I need? Yeah, I had a lot of uh, mental health issues that manifested into some physical things, but like postpartum depression, severe anxiety, but just like a diabetic, I have to manage it with my healthcare plan. And my healthcare plan is always to, I think of it as ABCs, like I have awareness of myself and um, if I'm feeling my dial go up or down. I have to be aware of what do I need right now? What's happening around me in my environment? And then I think of B as balance. Like, is everything balanced this week? Do I, did I have too much alone time? Because when I get stressed, I go inwards and I don't Mm -hmm. opposite from Cindy. I, I tend to kind of go into the bunker and just hide and become very um, distant disassociate and disconnect. And that sometimes can be interpreted as not communicative or um, ghosting or, you know, and so I've learned that along the way, how that's maladaptive. Um, And then C is, I think one of the most important C can be multiple different words, but C can be connection, compassion for myself and others. And C could be self-care. But have I done those things this week or where am I at today? I don't focus so much on, on the actual anxiety. I just look at my anxiety as telling me, oh, okay, well, this is where it's at today. And I recognize I, maybe I missed my meds yesterday or I didn't get enough sleep or um, Mm -hmm. I'm nervous about this podcast. I'm stepping outside. (laughs) I love the ABCs. I think that's something I want to adopt in my world. I think that's, yeah, yeah, that's so brilliant. Thanks for sharing that all. Yeah, no, I, I stole that from probably from like one Instagram post somewhere. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're spread it's it ours now. <laughs> <laughs> the ABCs are really 
good for for anyone because it's the same thing that I've had to like readjust my thinking with the way that you know my brain was formed is just like okay my brain needs certain things and you know if I work till three in the morning it's not at its full capacity so I'm making mistakes and I'm not seeing them and so how do I or if I'm distracted so like how do I create better environments for myself and create that balance so I think it's the same for for anyone you know it should be the same for everyone across the board regardless of like whatever way your brain is formed so Heather um mm-hmm. on that note that goes back to your quote about we don't need to change our brain we just need to change the environment that our brain is in yes yeah so I specifically have a therapist that deals with ADHD so that I can like learn about ways that I can can find a, a better path that helps me work better as a human in the world and thrive and and thrive watching Heather you know go through her journey of being officially diagnosed and then kind of going back into life and like I've been watching Heather forgive herself and it's been really refreshing to see that she is learning to love herself again or maybe for the first time I don't know but all the things that she did were never as her sister I never looked at her like oh that's like I never looked at it as a a bad thing it was just like oh that's just that's who Heather is and that's I still love her and she's great as she is right glad (laughs) so so seeing her get the diagnosis and then like the positiveness that has come out of it of just her acceptance of who she is has been amazing so now if anybody ever is like saying oh I think I'm this I'm like go check it out investigate like be curious like it it could change your life it does change your life um I feel like I my confidence level I used to never be confident I was always looking for other people's approval or even if I knew the answer to something, I, I did this my whole life. I would, I would still ask just to be safe. Cause I was scared of making mistakes, but I've grown more in this past year than, than my entire life. That's the hardest part is learning to love yourself. If you don't love yourself. Then how do you do the rest of life? Right. Uh, everything becomes harder. Just learning to love myself as well. Things are easier now for me. Mm. Yeah. And actually that uh, resonates with me just like growing up being the black sheep and I didn't love myself. I would always compare or not have that confidence and then realizing now this is my brain this is how it works this is how it responds to uh, different stimuli and environments this is what I have to deal with I have to find a way to to navigate this actually feels freeing in a way because it is freeing very freeing a lot of women aren't diagnosed with not just with mental health but with women in mental health and looking at um, different stages in life. So as we change through adolescence to uh, midlife to menopause to older adult, like there's all those societal impacts that pressure us and pressure us and pressure us to be a certain way, to be a certain construct, to be a, a certain light. Um, and then now to be able to say, as part of my health profile, I have anxiety and I'm okay with that. And I had postpartum and 20 years ago or 50 years ago, my mom, maybe, maybe she had that. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't recognized back then. It was more of like, if you have something wrong, you're not doing good enough. Now we don't need to label it. We can identify that this person went and acknowledge it. And just like what we're going through right now in the world globally, we're acknowledging a lot of things and it's just all kind of fast forwarding to me, like what's, what's happening with black lives matter and what recognizing all the traumatic things that happened on our own, in our own land and country and how indigenous people were treated. And all those things to me resonates within like globally and then individually as each of us move forward through this collectively. Like, so I feel like now like mental health is coming, is going through this kind of slow progressive movement where I can, talk on a podcast and feel safe and like the old Alice 20 years ago would have really hid that part of me and kept it in a box with a key and and been struggling through it saying nothing's wrong and I just want to fit in and I don't want people to see any of the darkness I just want them to see the light and yeah. maybe put on a mask yeah just to hide Yeah. And I would have 20 years ago not thought I would be doing a podcast (laughs) openly (laughs) talking about my mental health. So, so this is a good sign. I think there is a shift. There's a shift and there's less judgment. I feel like, I feel like our kids are in a better place than we were like, where they, it's not like a, 
go pot to see a therapist, for example, like that's a common thing now. So they don't have to feel scared to go see somebody or talk to someone or take medication. In saying that, I think part of it is because we're starting to see that type of thing on television and media. So I want to ask you, this is kind of a little bit of a segue, but do you ever see yourselves represented as triplets? Or like, even if you think about like identical twins, like, do you find yourself represented at all? And what would you like to see? I feel like recently, and because my son is in love with this movie, uh, Encanto, each time I see it, I get a different um, emotion. I still like, I cry every time, but, (laughs) but I get a different insight every time I see it. Bruno's the, one of the main characters. So in that movie, I felt a lot of similarities with uh, Bruno because he was, um, he was the outcast. And I felt I could relate to him because I was the outcast in a lot of ways, breaking the mold or doing things that um, my family um, didn't feel was appropriate or perfect. Or, you know, like Cindy said, I would pave the way for my sisters and, and be a little bit of a rebel or, you know, not kind of fit into that square what I loved is at the end, the triples just accept each other immediately. Like Bruno comes back and they hug him and they're like, you don't have to explain anything. Like you, you are one of us. Hmm. Automatic hugs. That resonates actually with just us three now, even. It does remind me a lot of what you probably went through, Elle. Mm-hmm. And now that we're adults and we're, now that I look back, I have more of an understanding of what you've gone through. And I feel like I just want to give you a hug and say, you don't have to explain anything. I'll like, yeah. And it's actually heartbreaking for me to even think of some of the stuff you went through as a, as a fraternal sister. Well, I didn't live in the walls or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> I did have my own bed and I didn't have to share all my clothes with you guys because I was way taller and had bigger feet. Me and Jazz would fight. Actually, that's one of the things is we fought constantly about clothes. Like I remember one day, and this is university, we're in our twenties and still living at home. She, I bought a new outfit and I folded it nicely on my bed for the next morning. I woke up and she had it on and she was just about to leave to go to university. We, I chased her around the house, screaming at her. And then she tried to get out the back door. She put her hand on the, on the door handle and I actually bit her. I bit her arm. I left two parts in her arm. That's how, like what, 21, I think? Um, we had anger issues. I, yeah, I guess I didn't tell you about that part. Yeah, we fought a lot. And Al, I'll just tell you right now, probably has the strongest kick I've ever seen. Like, and she got mad. I was a giraffe. I remember we were younger and my parents promised us to go swimming the next day. If we were good, I'll take you swimming. If you didn't pee the bed. That's what it was. I, okay. I used to pee the bed. Sorry, son. Threw you under the bed. It's fine. I used to pee the bed, which is fine. I had a small bladder and my mom said, okay, if you don't pee the bed, I'll take you guys swimming the next day. Sure enough, I was dreaming about swimming. So I peed the bed <laughs> 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 and I peed and I was horrified and Al was so mad at me. That she actually went and kicked a hole in the door. I, it was the funniest thing. <laughs> I, that story, I don't know why. I suppressed that memory. I suppressed it. I don't remember kicking this hole, but I do remember that emotion and that energy and that emotion of being always having to coddle Cindy and always protecting her. And my parents would always make excuses for her um, because I had a fiery temper. Yeah. So we'd always like have to just make reservations for Cindy. And I thought, okay, this finally we get to go to do this fun thing. And now we don't get to because she fucked up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. I just thought of something about you were saying about like movies and how we, you would like to be portrayed. And I was just thinking about like, I would like to see more um, like when you see twins represented in media and in TV, I always tend to see like there's twins in Arrested Development, that show. And, you know, there's the twin that is trying to put back together this family and save them them from debt. And then his sister is like the opposite twin. There's always this dichotomy of opposite with twins. And then with triplets, it's a little different, right? Because there's a third person. But um, there's always like the evil, good and bad. But I feel like inherently we all have those traits overlapping. But what I like to see more in film is like in the movie Frozen about more about like focusing on family and dynamics between family, not just that romantic uh, escapism where the the hero is the prince charming or whoever. But in Frozen, the two siblings, the sister was the hero. And I like how they raised each other up and supported each other and saw through to the end to fight through their inner battles and conflicts. And, and what you see in that movie is representing like strength can be right in front of you when you don't even realize it. And you're looking for it externally somewhere else. And you're looking for that hero or that 
savior and and it's right there it's that sibling or it's that that family member or your pet or it's someone else recently i just saw the adams project that movie is one of those movies i have to watch more than once because um i think it provokes a lot of thought and just about the relationship in the movie was the relationship with himself Mm -hmm. and a lot of movies don't talk about that and he was talking about his relationship as a youth going through losing his father and how angry he was and that emotion and how it carried on. And then how he had to come back in time to reconcile with those strong emotions that he never reconciled with before. And I, I want to see that more in movies about just going back to self and looking at like not painting labels or brushing strokes like, oh, you know, the twin, there's a good and the evil. It's more about like, how were they interacting with each other and how did they support each other? or How was it challenging? You'll see in movies and things or just pictures of kids always having to wear the same clothes when they're triplets. Like- oh, my God. Color-coded. Oh, Color-coded. Yes, it was awful. <laughs> Pink, yellow, and blue. Oh, so like you each had to wear your own specific color. Yeah, but the same clothing, but different color. Oh, my goodness. That's mm-hmm. amazing. A lot of times twins um, trick, right? Oh, we do play jokes on each other. Yeah, swaps. I actually would pretend I was her on the phone if her boyfriend would call. <laughs> <laughs> I went on and on with it's actually married to Dallas now, but um, Dallas called one time and I don't know why I was I was pretty evil actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe there is an evil one. Again. I yeah, I, could, I would say I was the evil one. I had to <laughs> I could have just done it for thirty seconds, and but no, I decided to carry it on and and then after he's like, what? You know, we would play jokes like that. Like a lot of the time, guys would get confused with us. I remember we used to have fake colored contacts. Jazz had green eyes contacts and I had blue my husband now Rob um we were all friends with his sister Megan first Megan was trying to set me up set Rob up with either me or Jazz because he didn't know who he liked he just knew he liked when he first met us he's like I don't know which is which but I I have a I like them yeah <laughs> and I remember he asked her to play I'm probably going to candy, but he asked her to play pool we were at Boston Beach all of us and my sister didn't understand I don't know she said no for some reason and I jumped in I'm like no I'll play pool <laughs> But to be honest, I don't really look back. But then he just remembers the blue eyes. He said he liked the girl with the blue eyes. Um, so that's how he told us apart because of our fake contacts. And so then I'm like, okay, yeah, that's me. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was kind of neat growing up like, for me and jazz, I guess. Al didn't have that opportunity to like play games. We could do it um, in other subtle ways with uh, uh, definitely on the phone because we had triple speak and diff- similar voices and similar laughs. Yeah, they confuse my kids still now. My my kids are always like, "Which auntie is that?" Is there anything that you would like to say that we didn't cover that you'd like people to know about being a triplet or your experiences? That it has its pros and cons. I mean, a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's so cool to be a triplet." Uh, so you know, and it, it is. It's like when I tell people that they're, "Oh my god," you know, I never triplet before. I think I said the exact same thing when Ellie told me that she had a triplet. I was like, "What? You're yeah. a triplet?" <laughs> oh yeah, I get that reaction all the time. Yeah, I definitely cherish the, you know, that I got that experience and still have that experience moving forward. I think, you know, my sisters and I will sign up to be hopefully in the same nursing home together. Well, maybe we'll have our own home and like later in life, we're going to live, we're going to live to be a hundred. I think we're going to be centenarians. I think it's um, definitely something I'm grateful for because I know that um, I always have someone to lean into and support and I can just be my authentic self and Doing this podcast just basically highlighted that uniqueness that we have is not, it's not a common thing to be a triplet. And I've only met another one triplet and it was just when I was doing my nursing practicum up North, I was working and I met a a geriatric lady in her late eighties who was a triplet. And I thought, oh, wow, this is so cool. You know, and she shared some stories with me about growing up as one of three. Did she have uh, two sister, brother? Do you remember? Or? Three girls. That's the only other triplet I met. I would love to talk to another set of triplets myself and just see what their upbringing was like and how they grew up and just, just to see if there's any similarities and environment. And yeah, cause I've never met a triplet. So it would be kind of cool to, that's your guys' job, Sarah and Heather. You guys have to search for, search for other triplets. We'll do a uh, part two. <laughs> We've learned so much. It's been so fun to chat with you both. Aw. Having us both. Thank you so much for though for giving your time and being so open with us. And and I think like that's again, like the more that we talk about our experiences, the more that other people will go will find similarities. So I think it's just so helpful for us to talk about our life experiences with each other. Yeah. Thank you so much. What I wanted to share a word that I shared with Cindy last night was it's not easy to do these kind of things. And I think I'll, I'll call it like not being vulnerable, but being vulnerable brave. 
Mm, I love it. <laughs> Calm or bravery, it. because uh, it's not easy to put yourself out there and and talk to other people about your life experiences growing up, because it can sometimes trigger those emotions, and mm-hmm. and that's okay. You just observe it and flow through it, and yeah, it's all good. Because I know that it, it resonates with other people. Yeah, if you could just help one person, I, I'm about helping. If I have to share my story, and it just helps one person, that's for me. That's that's a win. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. And I think the listeners will appreciate it too. So thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I can't believe how many similarities we had as yeah. us as a set of siblings that that are four years apart as to what they had as triplets who are three, five, two minutes, minutes apart. Yeah. Like minutes. So in the, dyna- the dynamic of the older sibling, the middle sibling, the baby or the younger sibling, like... It's just birth order. I don't know. We might have to do another episode all on like birth order and like that kind of stuff. Because I feel like there's these stereotypes of the middle child, but it seems to be true. Yeah. I'm really curious how much of that is put upon us. Again, like Mm -hmm. we kind of, we ask them like, what's put upon you versus like, what do you do yourself? And I think it's a mix of that. It's a mix of what we see and what we experience in the world. It's like extremely fascinating. I think this is kind of getting to the end of our episode. So we have to end with um our awesome things awesome things awesome things all right so i don't think i'm going to be having a career as a singer but that's okay uh (laughs) we'll just keep practicing we'll keep practicing sorry sorry, listeners sorry sorry (laughs) making up theme songs we need to have our brother here this recording we're both in edmonton and i'm back in edmonton visiting my family for the first time for a long time and so there was a big festival that had been rescheduled uh, it was just this past weekend. And so I've been really careful and staying inside and I've seen like no people. Um, and so we got the opportunity to go, you know, to this festival. And so Sarah and I decided like, you know, let's venture out, but very carefully. So wearing masks and being really mindful of like that there still is ongoing pandemic going on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I I really miss, it's a like being at music festivals. But one of the biggest things I miss is having recommendations of music because I realize that a lot of the music that I end up loving is because someone has brought me to a concert or brought me to somewhere. So Sarah was, I wasn't supposed to go on Friday night. And Sarah's like, do you want to come here? Uh, the snotty nose res kids. And I was like, I have no idea who they are. I started listening to them. I'm like, these guys seem really dope. We went, they blew the roof off the place. It was incredible. And the audience was just amazing. And my one awesome thing is, well, piggyback on Heather, getting to go see snotty nose res kids live. I've listened to them for years, but to feel the bass, like to, Mm -hmm. to go to a hip hop show and feel the music in my body was just like, I forgot what that felt like. I also forgot to bring earplugs, <laughs> but that's okay. I have to protect these ears for this podcasting and editing work I do. And then my second awesome thing is there's one performer, Shayla Miller. My daughter really likes her music and she'll ask for it on Alexa. <laughs> so Tony was able to bring her with us to, one, to to her show. And then she gave a shout out to Charlotte and she's like, my biggest fan. She's here. And everybody was like, wow cheering for her she got a little embarrassed but she so she like came out it's a restaurant but it's like a bar restaurant so she thought she was at the bar and she felt really special <laughs> and it was a sunday night so that we only stayed for a couple songs and then i promptly took her home to go to bed but it was really special that we as a family and that heather was there and my little brother jonathan was in town because he was performing in the festival that we could all be there together as a family mm-hmm. and like tony helped put the festival together and it it was just one of those things where, we, like Heather mentioned earlier, we've missed music, we've missed live uh, entertainment, obviously affected by the pandemic, and Tony's work is hugely, hugely affected by the pandemic. And then we were all to come together as a family to be there and to witness this, and I don't know, it was really special. It was a special yeah. weekend. Tiring, but <laughs> special. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, I'm very tired, but other than that. <laughs> and, and extremely overstimulated, so yes. it's fine. <laughs> Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to listen to uh, today's episode of Brains. Brains is hosted and produced by Heather and Sarah Taylor. It's us. And mixed and mastered by Tony Bao. Our theme song is by our little brother, Depish. And our graphics were created by Perpetual Notion. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us and tell your friends to tune in. You can reach us on Instagram or Twitter at Brains Podcast, spelled B-R-Triple 
haha triple a ins podcast and you can also check out our website at brainspodcast.com where you can contact us subscribe and find out a little bit more about who we are and what we do until next time i'm your host heather taylor and i'm your host sarah taylor bye bye